Let's pray. <laughs> Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, uh, speak to our hearts, challenge us, change us. I just pray we our will would become your will, Lord God. Your will would become our will. And uh, we would just do things the way you want them done, because that's what brings good and glory and beauty and freedom. So we surrender. We want you to move. We want you to have your way. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are <clears throat> we're back to the creed. I got a little um, distracted last week talking about the glory of God. Hopefully I'll be visiting the theme of the glory of God again because I think it relates. But I'm going to take a super short line in the creed that someone may think I couldn't get a whole lot out of. And uh, I was almost in tears this morning trying to explain to Susan what I felt God was showing me about this. So uh, for those of you who are new, this creed that we're looking at resembles the Apostles' Creed. If you've been in church at all, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, etc. If you're in a Catholic church or a Lutheran church or Episcopal church or Anglican church, kind of a more, more historic church, but actually that statement comes from an even older statement, which they called the Roman sign or the Roman symbol or the Roman creed, and it's, a, it's, more, it's more simple. And uh, I believe, as do a lot of uh, scholars, that this is the earliest Christian statement of what was expected for Christians to believe, kind of the basic template of belief. When, if you read the Bible and you pull out the very, very most essential fundamental truths. Um, and so we're just walking through it. And we are well on our way. Let me put it up here on the screen for you. And the red are kind of the embellishments that are added, that were added in later centuries. Some of them are a little bit problematic, and I like the older one. It's not problematic. Uh, I believe, that's just the Greek word there, pistio, which means I believe, because it was originally written in Greek. I believe in God, the Father Almighty. And then for those of you who are new, credo just means I believe in Latin. So we call it a creed. It's just a set of beliefs that early Christians believed. But I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. I'll leave that part off. That's one of the more controversial parts that they should have left off. Anyway, on the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He's seated at the right hand of God, the Father. From there, he will come again to judge the living and the dead. And I believe in the Holy Spirit. And what it originally said was the Holy Church. That's it. Now, Catholic just means universal or the kind of the everywhere church. But the original statement just said, I believe in the church, the Holy Church. There's, there's something called the church, and I believe in that. And so I'm not, and, and then they, they kind of, wanted people to understand, well, what are you talking about? The communion of saints, the people that are in this thing called the church, living and dead through all ages. It's like a fellowship, a community, a, a fraternity and sorority combined of people who have come into God's kingdom. That's the church. But all the original creed said was, I believe. It doesn't even say I believe. It just said the holy church. All right, let's move on. The forgiveness of sins. So uh, I just want to look at that because I, I was pretty amazed this morning. I've preached a sermon like this plenty of times. But I saw some things this morning I'd never seen before. And that's the wonderful thing about the Bible is you can read it and read it and read it and read it. You could read it for 100 lifetimes. And then one day you pick up a verse that you memorized in your first lifetime that you know 100 lifetimes ago. And it's some fresh revelation to kind of blow your hair back. It's not saying something different or something contradictory. It's saying something deeper. It's like turning a diamond, like, I never saw that facet. Holy smokes, that's really there. It doesn't negate the other facets. But so I was seeing something this morning that were pretty amazing. So I just want to talk about the church. And this is part of what, as historic, apostolic, New Testament Christians, we believe in something called the church. What is the church? Well, 
Uh, let's see. There it is. There's the church. Little country building. Don't know why it's so dark, but uh, you usually think of a white church. But anyway, just a little country church. That's a church. No, that's not a church. That's uh, that's the wrong kind of church. This is that's a church right there. That's that's a cathedral that has to be in Europe somewhere. That's a, that's a, an impressive cathedral. Jesus said to the to the woman at the well, "Where are we supposed to worship?" And Jesus said, "There's a time coming where neither in Jerusalem, which obviously is the holiest city ge- geographically on planet Earth, or where the Samaritans worship, which was called Mount Gerizim." Neither here nor there are you going to worship. He said, God seeks those who worship in spirit and truth. There's going to come a time where church has nothing, the the gathering, the fellowship, the worship of God, the temple of God has nothing to do with a place. So first of all, if you think a church is a place, uh, you are not agreeing with the apostles. Here's a weird fact. Did you know there was not a church building for born again, Bible believing, those who followed the apostles? There was not a church building on planet Earth that I'm aware of before 300 AD. So it couldn't be a building. So uh, anyway, you guys should just like cruise along. Don't look for distractions because that's why my sermons are so long. Okay, just cruise right along here. So what is the church? Uh, I might as well just get to the point here. When you look at life, as I've done a lot of meditating on life, we have all these questions. Why are we here? What's the meaning? What's the purpose? What are morals? What are values? What should my priorities be? Who is God? I really believe this. I believe that the all-powerful God, last week we looked at some of his power in the universe, you know, the, the infinite, seems like infinite universe that he's created. Wow, the, heaven, the heavens are telling the glory of God. The expanse is declaring the work of his hands. He made it all. And then there's like this little blue dot. Some people call it the little blue pearl. That's us. And it's so small and so insignificant in light of all that God has made that you're just like, well, that doesn't even seem to make a whole lot of sense. And we didn't even know how massive all the heavenly bodies were before, but it, but it tells us how powerful this God is. But this is what I believe. I believe, now when I say this, don't, don't take this too far. But I believe we're in a sort of a game. Not, not, God's not playing with us. This is, this is, this is not a, a, he's not messing around, you know, like a little, you know, five-year-old boy pulling the legs off a of daddy long leg or something. You know, the, yeah, little boys do that. So if you, if you don't believe that, go listen to the song Fire Ants by, by that time. <laughs> What's his name? Tim Hawkins. Little boys are a little demented. But anyway, God's not playing a game with us. He, but he put us here for a reason. And some of you are like, well, why doesn't he just smash in and fix things? Well, if you're going to play this game here, this is the game of life. And I was looking for a picture. I thought appropriate, the game of life. And I was looking online for a slide. And I looked really close and I was like, this is the Russian version. It's, it's, it's literally, it's written in Russian. Um, so it's the game of Jizen. Um, but uh, you say, why doesn't God just smash in? Well, why don't you just take your piece when you start this game and put it at the end and take all the money out of the thing, out of the box. So that's a lot easier than playing the whole game because God put us here and he had an objective. He made us a certain type of being and he put us in a certain kind of an environment because he had something that he intended to accomplish by putting us here. Well, why didn't he just go Shazam and make us the way he wanted us? Because we're creatures and we grow. That's what, that's what created things do. They either, they either increase or they diminish, and that's just the nature of being a part of creation. So we're part of creation, and we're either going to increase through a process, or we're going to diminish through a process, and God put us in a game, like on a board. Well, why don't you take your piece and go out in the garage where your tools are? You like being around your tools or whatever. Go in the kitchen where the, you know, your cool new food processor is so you can admire it or whatever. Uh, go, in the, go where the entertainment system is. And, no, you want to play the game, you got to play it on the board, and you got to play by the rules of the board, et cetera, et cetera. What, what's the game we're in? What are we? And most people don't know. They just get mad. They know there's a God. They know they're going to last forever. We have this sense of the spiritual and the metaphysical. But you know that there's a very specific game. It has very specific rules. It has a very specific objective. What is it? And people who are lost and people who are hopeless and people who are suicidal or whatever, they don't know what the game is and they're not playing it very well. 
Uh, people who have found the abundant life, like Jesus said, that he offers to us, they figure the game out and they're winning. But we're in a game. What's the game? What are we here for? To even be playing the game, to even start playing the game. I mean, we're all on the board, but, but uh, to even be put on the track to begin fulfilling God's intended purpose for you, you have to become a part of the church. Not a church, not the Baptist church or the Catholic church or the Presbyterian church. You have to be a part of the holy church. What is the church? The church is a group of people who understand, first of all, that they're tragically broken and the only place they deserve to go is not, you know, pass, go, collect $200 or whatever, win the game. They deserve to be taken out, you know, over to the fireplace and just thrown on the fire because they're so corrupted, they don't even deserve a place on the board. So first of all, and, and why? Because we're sinners. We're sinful. And when we understand that we're sinful, one of the first things that God wants us to realize is that he loves us and he has made provision for us to get in the game. How, how does that happen? You deserve death. Jesus Christ, who was a second member of the Trinity, the, he was God eternal, but he became a man. He died on a cross for us so that our sins could be forgiven so that we could start playing the game. And what's the game? I'll give it away. Whom he foreknew, that's us. Who he knew beforehand, we're going to be here, that's us. He predestined, which means he had a plan beforehand, that they be conformed to the image of his son. That you look, act, think, feel, respond exactly like Jesus Christ did when he walked the earth. That's, that's the point of the whole game, is that God forges in you the character of Christ, and he needs a process. So we go through this life, and we learn things, and we grow, and we learn how to love better, and we learn how to forgive, and we learn how to prioritize things, and we learn what's valuable and what's not valuable. Money's not valuable. People are valuable. Fame is not valuable. Uh, service to others is valuable. And you develop the mind of Christ, which the Bible says is foolishness to the world, because the world's all corrupt, full of these people that don't have a clue what the game's about. So anyway, the church is... The, the group of people that God has placed on the board so that they can fulfill their created purpose. So I'm going to now show you what blew my mind this morning. What's your created purpose? To be like Christ, that's still a little bit ambiguous. But if you figure it out, you're going to have more joy than you know what to do with. If your religion is no fun, you haven't figured it out. If you don't feel literally high, like you're on drugs a couple times a week. Now, when you're a young Christian, it's tough. And I'm not saying it's all euphoric because you got so much garbage and stuff to tear down. Amen. Amen. Right. But once you get through that process and God starts using you and the Holy Spirit starts moving in your life, I mean, even this morning, singing amazing love, Jesus, you are my king. I was in tears. I'm like the God of the universe. I was singing, you're my king. And you know how I was saying that is because you are so glorious and awesome, and I want to serve you, and I want to bow down before you, and I want to be just like you, and you're the most wonderful thing to contemplate and think about in this universe. So I choose, as an act of my will, not to rebel against you, but to submit to you and let you be my king. And I'm like, because this is all, you know, I'm not very good at any of it, but it's real to me. I'm like over there, like tears running down my face, and I feel like I'm high on drugs but they're not dirty drugs. They're not the kind of drugs that make me go do stupid things. They're the kind of, that's the kind of uh, experience we're supposed to be having on this earth as we're on the board and we're figuring out what the game is. So I want to talk a little more specifically about the game. How do you, how do you get into this church? I believe in the Holy church. <clears throat> you get into it by saying, first of all, I'm not on the board. Why? Because I'm sinful. I'm selfish. I'm clueless. I'm not living my life to honor God. I'm really living my life for me, and there is a God, and I should figure out what he's up to and submit to his plan. I'm a rebel. I'm sinful. I've done selfish, terrible things. Person that denies that, you can't get on the board. And uh, unfortunately, if you persist, you're going to go to the trash can. That's what the that's of the universe, which God doesn't want. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants everyone to come to repentance. But the first thing you do is say, I'm a sinner. And then, you, and then you hear the gospel, the good news, which is Jesus died for you so you can be completely forgiven 
and get on the board. And once you're on the board, nothing can take you off the board. Oh, I smoked a cigarette. All right, off the board with you, you know. Oh, I looked at pornography on my phone. Off the board. No, it's God's like, why are, why are you doing that? That's the, way, that's the way the people that are banging into each other and falling all over the place and don't know. What, that's the stuff they do. Why, why are you doing that? Like, okay, I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. Sorry, back. Well, what, no, no, what am I supposed to be doing? Good. You confess your sins. He's faithful and righteous to forgive you. He's not like off the board, on the board, off the board, on the board. It's once you trust Christ, change my heart. Come into my heart. Help me to walk in your ways. You're locked in. And you're on the board as long as you just keep looking to Christ as your sin bearer, trusting in the Holy Spirit, trusting in the God's continual forgiveness. Anyway, I'm going to show you this scripture that just blew me away. And it talks about what is God doing in our hearts? What's the objective? I already talked about that. Okay, so John 13. I was meditating on what the church is and I was going to do a standard. Let's look at the book of Acts and see how cool they were and how not cool we are and how much we need to be like the church in Acts and pray more and love more and serve more and witness more. But God took me in a totally different path, even though that's a good sermon to preach. But, okay, look at this. Jesus is getting ready to die. Because if he doesn't die, we're all sunk. If he doesn't die, then you die for your own sins. And he's choosing to die. And there's this pinnacle moment (laughs) where he knows one of his followers is going to betray him. And he says... Go do what you're going to do. This is Judas. He's a liar. He's a thief. Jesus said, I chose you the 12. One of you is a devil. The dude's just full of the devil. And he knew that that Judas, when he got the chance, he was going to betray him. And at one point, Jesus said, give Judas kind of an okay to leave the room. He's basically, go do what you're going to do, man. At that moment, Jesus knows where he's going. He's going to the cross. He's going to die for us. And then then just look at the sequence here. Therefore, when he, Judas, had left, Jesus said, now is the son of man glorified. What do you mean? He hasn't raised from the dead or anything. He's still sitting there in a room, looks a lot like a guy. His disciples don't know who the heck he is. No, he made his choice to die. He said, it's over. I have surrendered to God's cause. I have surrendered to God's purpose. I have chosen to lay down my life for the benefit of these people who I love and ultimately for the whole world. He says, God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify him in himself, will glorify him immediately. Something very glorious has just happened. We talked about glory last week. When we think about religion, we think power. We think about God, we think power. We think if God's going to prove himself, it's power, power, power. We say, God, if you created the infinite cosmos, why won't you heal my headache? God, if you, why don't you, you know, send some magic money into my account? God, why don't you do something, do some trick, and then I'll believe in you. And I think what God says is, that's not what the game's about, people. I, I'm not going to do a dog and pony show for you to prove myself, because that was never my intention. That's not what this little game's about. This little game's about something way more important. Now, if you figure out what the game is about, he'll do miracles. He's got no problem doing miracles, but he's not going to put the cart before the horse and let this be a power thing like power. It's about love. That's what the whole game's about. You want to be like Jesus, figure out what love is, figure out how to do it, go into intensive love training under the tutelage of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, learn how to do it well. That's when you're going to feel so high you don't know what to do with yourself. And the world's going to say, you're nuts. Why are you giving all your money away? Why are you hanging out with street people? Why are you taking people into your house? Why are you letting them choke out your schedule and take all your stuff and mess up your house? And right. What's the matter with you? And you're like, I figured the game out and it's pretty stinking fun. Um, and I know you're on your third wife and you're making your six, seven figures, but uh, you're the one going to the therapist, not me. Right. You're the one drinking every weekend, not me. You're the one who doesn't know how to raise your kids, not me. I got the game figured out because I understand why God made this this whole thing. It's about love. So you see Jesus here. He says, what did he just do? He just initiated the ultimate demonstration of love that we're ever going to see. Anybody getting goosebumps? He just said, it's over because I just let Judas go. So they'll kill me. 
because I'm going to die for these people that I love and ultimately for the whole world, because if I don't, they're all sunk. That's the game. And if you learn how to do that, you win. If you don't understand even what this is about, get on the board. It's about, we're doing the exact opposite. We're scratching and clawing and taking, you know, you were dead in your trespasses and sins, which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit working in the sons of disobedience among them. We also formerly walked indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Me, 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 me. God's like, oh my goodness, you guys are lost. And then we go to church and we're like, God, do tricks, do some tricks. Heal me, give me money, you know, give me a hot spouse, you know, give me my dream career. Me, 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 me. God's like, huh? That you're doing it upside down and backwards. Watch Jesus. She said, okay, I'm glorified. <clears throat> you look for me. And just as I said to the Jews, now I also said to you, where I'm going, you can't come. Where's he going? He's going to death. You guys don't understand this yet. You can't pull this off yet. I'm giving you a new commandment. Is it really about love, Jesus? I'm giving, this is my new commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. How is he loving them? He's dying. He's given up everything for the benefit of somebody else. <laughs> that you love one another. This is the game. This is the church. This is the objective. Some of you are saved. You don't even know this is what the game's about. You're on the board, but you're like, this is no fun. I feel like God's putting all these rules on me, making me go to church. He's always correcting me. He's so mean. It's like, no, he's trying to teach you why you were created. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples. If you have love for one another, a church that's doing it right, people should walk in and say, you guys are weird. You're all hugging each other and playing with each other's kids and talking about getting together after church and hanging out during the week and going on vacation together. And, and then when some broken person comes in, you're slobbering all over them and hugging them and you love them. Right? No, don't slobber. Just a figure of speech. They said, that's how, that's how people are going to know your mind. And that's how you're going to know you're getting it right. He didn't say because you're all eggheads and you can quote Hebrew and Greek and Latin and in medieval scholastic theology and whatever. He says, because there's love, love, love. And what does it look like? It looks like someone dying for somebody else. That's the game. Now check this out. This is crazy. Jesus said, I'm doing it. You need to learn how to do this. And then look what Peter does. Simon Peter said, Lord, where are you going? Jesus said, where I'm going, you can't follow me. Where's he going? He's going to death. You'll follow later. Peter said, Lord, why can't I follow you? I'll follow. I'll lay down my life for you. You said, well, you really, really? I never made the connection because what Peter's doing here is saying he is capable of doing what Jesus is just about to do. This morning, I just went, zing. He's even using the exact same phraseology. John plays with words a lot and people say things out their mouth that actually correspond to other parts of the story. They don't even realize what they're saying. Peter is saying, I love you enough, Jesus, to die for you. And Jesus is like, no, Peter, you really don't. You're going to, because that's what this whole operation is about. And that's what the church is going to eventually going to learn how to do. And you're going to learn how to do it, Peter, but you can't do it just yet. You don't love me enough to do what I'm about to do for you. But you will. But first, you're going to crash and burn really bad to see how stinky you are at this whole thing. Kind of funny. We all know that people should love, right? We all understand that. People shouldn't lie to us. They shouldn't steal from us. They shouldn't cheat us. They shouldn't hate us. And of course, they should always forgive us. But we just don't, we hold them to a different standard, right? Like, I should be able to cheat on my taxes because the government's ripping me off. Like, why are you cheating on your taxes? That's so totally wrong. Or why, why, why did you try to rip me off? Oh, you know, I remember going, I had a landlord one time and he bought something from a woman whose husband died. It was like a really sweet lawnmower. He bought it for a hundred bucks. And then her son came and said, you just took advantage of her. And he's like, look, the deal is done. It's mine. Right. And he, he took it. Now, if someone had done that to him, he'd have been red in the face. And, you know, right. We have, we somehow we can excuse our sin and why we're not loving people perfectly. We all know everybody should be loving, but nobody can do it. And then we think somehow we're justified in our cheating, our lying, our hating, we don't want to. So we have this total double standard going on. But we know that this is what should be done. 
Jesus says, I'm going to do it and show you how it's done. Peter says, I'm going to try to do it for you, Jesus. And Jesus says, you don't have the power to do it yet. So this morning, I was like, even the phraseology, are you going to lay down your life for me? He just said he's going to lay down his life for his disciples. And are you really going to follow me? I'm going to death. You're not, you can't go there yet. You don't know how to love that deeply yet. So then, if you keep studying in John, so yeah, Peter, you can't do it yet. Do what? Do that. For those of you who are just listening on podcasts or whatever, there's a picture of Jesus cut to ribbons hanging on the cross. Peter, you don't have that kind of love in you yet. You're not controlled by my love yet. You know that it should happen. You're frustrated at everybody that nobody's loving you well enough. Why don't my kids respect me? Why doesn't my husband treat me well? Why doesn't my wife treat me well? Why don't my parents love me like they should? Why didn't they raise me like they should? Well, why aren't you raising your kids like you should? I'm doing the best I can. Get off my back. Why is everybody persecuting me? Right? We're nuts. We're crazy. We all know that it's, this thing is a reality and it should be in our world. Something's called the light of the world in John. Nobody can do it. Peter couldn't do it. Jesus said, I'm going to do it. And when I do it, it's going to free you guys all up to do it. Because what's going to happen is when I lay my life down for you out of love, and this then is atonement for all of your sins, it's going to free the Holy Spirit up to engage you in a whole new way. So the Holy Spirit and your spirit can now be fused together and the very love of God can fill your life and you can turn around and love each other and love this broken world the way that I love. That's the church. That's what the church is supposed to be. It's not about golden chalices and chants in Latin and, you know, I say this and you say this back and the religious, you know, ditties and stand up. And I always, at this point, I always think of the hokey pokey, you know, you're the hokey pokey, you turn yourself out, put your left foot in, left foot out, right? It's not, it's not about rituals. It's not about buildings. It's not about anything. It's about realizing that the thing we're all yearning for, which is love. It's, it's what made us. Love created us. Why did love create us? Because God is love. That's what the Bible says. Why did love create us? Because he wanted to love us and he wanted us to become love. That's the church. What's the doorway in? Jesus. Through his expression of love for us. That's the church. I believe in the church. What's the church? The church is this community of love that is reconnected with the God of love through Christ who manifested that perfect love, opened the door for us, and then filled us with his Holy Spirit who Romans says the love of God is poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit. So now we're partakers of this love. Now we can do that. We can go die every day because it's supernatural. The church is a bunch of, now if we're doing it right, there's babies in the church that don't have a clue. They didn't want to go to hell. They didn't want to bear their own sins. They believe that God loved them. Christ died for them. So they took salvation. They don't know anything beyond that. This is a little more advanced, a little more advanced study in what, in what Christianity is. But ultimately, you need to wake up someday and realize it's not about you. It's not about your best life now. It's not about health. It's not about wealth. It's not about <laughs> making you happy and fulfilling your American dream. It's about teaching. It's, it's the school of love. So you learn how to love like God loves. You ultimately learn how to love like Christ loves. That's the church. Are you a part of the church? You need to learn how to love like this. So that means... Uh, what did Jesus give up for us? It says, he who was rich became poor, right? That through his poverty, we might become rich. He gave up everything. But we can do this in little ways, right? Uh, let, you let people borrow your car? Do you let them sleep in your house? Do you, uh, and I know this goes on in this church. Because, and it's not, it's not like a have-to thing. You guys sneak around and you bless each other. You give each other money. You give each other stuff. Yeah, a lot of new houses in the street. You guys are helping each other work on one another's houses. You guys cry with each other. You guys pray with each other. You guys give each other time. And it's, it's just a little glimmer of what Jesus is talking about. You lay your life down. There's people that come into this church. <clears throat> we like difficult people. God sends us difficult people. They're bound in sin, deep, deep sin. 
And we keep loving them and we keep loving them and they spit in your face and they cuss you out and you keep loving them and you keep loving them. Why? Because that's what Jesus does. And then guess what? Then they're transformed. Like, oh, I was such a knucklehead. I can't believe I used to be like that. We laughed about it. So yeah, let's go love this new guy. This new girl who just came in the door who's cussing at us and spitting at us and spreading, you know, saying nasty things about our church. But that's what the church is. So uh, let me see here. What else do I got? John 14. Oh, let's just talk about the Holy Spirit. Yes, we can't pull this off, but once you're forgiven because you believe what Christ has done for you, you receive the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and I say this a lot. A lot of people prayed some cheap prayer of salvation. Like, I don't want to go to hell, but I still want to live my life the way I want to live it. That doesn't work. You have to die. You have to die. You have to die to that cursed, selfish life you're living if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you want the Holy Spirit to empower you, change you, transform you, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. But you have to turn away from that. You can't say, God, I'm going to keep sleeping with my boyfriend. I'm going to keep lying and cheating and stealing. I'm going to keep carrying around this hate in my heart. You say, no, God, forgive me for all that. I believe Jesus paid the penalty for that because that's why I deserve to go to hell. Cleanse me, wash me, give me a new heart. Teach me how to serve you. Teach me to love what you love and give me the power to do it. If you come to him like that, it's this is when he says, I'll give you the helper and the helper is going to help you to pull off all of this stuff that Peter couldn't do. Obviously, Peter said, I'll die for you. What did he do? He denied him three times. And I, I don't mean to like stir up. But I mean, just imagine betraying somebody who is loving you, depending on you at their greatest hour of need, just out of self-preservation or fear or whatever running away. That's what he did to Jesus. Jesus, because you don't have the strength. But then in John 14, he says, I'll ask the Father, he'll give you a helper. He'll be with you forever. The helper is a spirit of truth. That's the Holy Spirit who the world can't receive because it doesn't see him or know him, but you know him because he remains with you and will be in you. So we receive the Holy Spirit after we're born again so we can get on the board and fulfill God's created purpose for us. It's not inevitable that you cruise around the board with any kind of rapidity because you have to say yes every day. Yes, God. Yes, God. Yes, God. God says, hey, get rid of that and implement this. And hey, stop hanging around these people and hang out with these people. And stop going to this church and go to that church. Yes, there are lots of bad churches. Jesus said that. False Christ, false prophets will arise, deceive many. John said that. Don't believe every spirit. Test the spirits to see whether they're from God. Lots of bad churches. So God says, hey. You, you need to start waking up every day, following me, and then we'll start cranking around the board. You'll start becoming more like Jesus, and you'll start gathering people around you and blessing their lives by showing them what the game's about. That's, that's what we're supposed to be up to. So uh, let's see. So then we go to John 15. Again, Jesus is like totally into love. There's some churches now that get a little, little um, I don't know, they're almost... They must tease, make fun of Christians that talk too much about love. Like, you, you better be careful with that because there's somebody who's talking a lot about love and his name's Jesus Christ. And I mean, look at this. This is my commandment that you love just as I have loved. Greater love has no one than this than a person lay down his life for his friends. So Jesus says, look, I'm doing it, Peter. You can't do it. I'm laying down my life for your benefit. There's going to come a time after all this is over where you can receive the benefits of what I have done. And then you can receive the Holy Spirit. And then you guys can turn around and lay down your lives for one another supernaturally, because Peter, you're going to prove to everybody for all time that apart from me, you can't pull it off. You don't know what it is. You don't have the strength to pull it off. But once I leave, he says, you know, I'm going to send the spirit once I raise from the dead. And then after that, once you have the Holy Spirit, the proof that you belong to God, that you're in this church, the real church, Jesus said, by your fruits, you'll know them. So in John, he says, you lay down your life. You're my friends if you do what I command. What is command that you love? What kind of love? Lay down your life kind of love. I don't call you slaves. Slaves don't know what the master's doing. I've called you friends because the things I've heard from my father, I've made known to you. Like what <clears throat> love is. What is love? Love is doing what is best for the other. So, uh, you didn't choose me. I chose you, appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit. What kind of fruit? Love fruit. That's what Paul says in Galatians. The fruit of the Spirit is love. That's and Everything else is just details. 
your fruit would remain. Kind of interesting. I just had a thought I've never had before. How's our fruit going to remain? Because ultimately, when I love you, you get into the kingdom and you remain. And I get to celebrate eternity with you because the love that came out of me touched your life. And now we get to spend eternity together. Never had that thought before 10 seconds ago. Why is Jesus' love going to remain forever and ever? Because we're going to be with him around the throne, saying, worthy is the lamb that was slain and has redeemed us to God by his blood to receive riches and wisdom and glory and honor and strength, et cetera, et cetera. And then again, this is what I'm trying to get through your thick skulls. Love. How, Jesus? Just like I did. Die. Aren't I loving enough? I was thinking of loving like 60% today or maybe 45%. No, till you die. There's nothing left when you die. There's no greater. You can't take it any further. So yeah, everything up to that, but always being willing to have that kind of love that's willing to die for another. Uh, we had uh, someone in seminary we knew. We're talking about babies this morning and, you know, and, and uh, the right for life and all that kind of stuff. There was a lady uh, when we were in seminary and she was pregnant and she had some kind of a medical condition. And they said, hey, we could take care of this pretty easy if you go through with chemotherapy. But uh, there's no chance that that baby's going to be viable if that happens. And she said, no, I will die. Right? Isn't that a fact? I'll bet you that little girl, her understanding of love is a lot deeper than a lot of ours. Why am I here? She thinks probably every single day because my mom loved me enough to die. Now, that mom was born again, so she understood something about God's kind of love. So, yeah, and again, I've made this joke before. The husband says to his wife, I love you enough to die for you. She says, I don't need you to die for me. I just need to take out the trash. I just need you to mow the lawn. I don't, I don't need you to die for me. But if you're going to die for somebody, you're going to be willing to do anything along that continuum up to death. And Jesus said that that is what the church is all about. It's all about love. And uh, plenty of statements to this effect. If this is not what you're all about, either one, you're not saved or two, you're saved and clueless. About why we're here, what we're doing, what the church is supposed to be up to. It's not about getting you saved. It's not about jumping. Religious can, religion can be the most selfish quest in the universe. A lot of people who call themselves Christians, I hate to say this, they're going straight to hell. Because they're jumping through hoops. They're trying to please God. They're trying to earn God by doing stuff. And God's like, that is not the game. That has no correspondence to what's in the New Testament. The New Testament is all about you're hopeless and helpless. I loved you so much that I cleaned you up, put my spirit in you and put you on the board so that I could then form my image in you, my likeness in you. So then you could do the same. That's the game. And there's a lot of people that think, no, it's about keeping rules because God's an ogre. He doesn't want us to have any fun. So I'm not going to have any fun better than anybody. And then he'll let me into heaven in the end. God, you're going to, that person's going to get to, you know, heaven and God's going to go, you were as lost as a goose in a snowstorm. You had no clue what this game was about. So let's look at uh, the statements to this effect over and over and over. First John 3, we know love by this. He laid down his life for us. We should lay down our lives for the brethren. And another thing, we should lay down our life also for the sister, of course, for the potential brethren. Anybody that God crosses our paths, because we're supposed to go to all the world and preach the gospel. But for... Any human being around us that could benefit from our sacrifice, the Bible says, especially for those who are already in, you know, we're supposed to be an example of love for the world. He says, take care of everybody, widows, orphans, whatever. We're supposed to be laying down our lives. But he says, that's how we know what it is. And then he gets real practical. Whoever has a big wad of cash, big retirement account, extra houses, extra cars, enough to buy flashy clothes, extra clothes in their closet, and you see a brother or sister in need, and you close your compassion against them. How in the heck do you think you're on the board playing the game that God created you to play? This is totally my paraphrase. First John 3. 
if you have the world's goods and you see somebody who has a need and Jesus lays down everything, he gave up his glory in the first place and came down to a stinking world where we spit on him and rejected him and were totally mean to him. And then he laid down his life for us, gave up absolutely everything. He says, look, you have some stuff and you see people suffering who could benefit by you laying down your life and you don't do it. How the heck do you think you're a Christian by any stretch of the imagination where you are in the church? That's what he's saying. He says, let us love, not with word and tongue. Oh, I love you. James says, you say to a poor, poor person, oh, be warmed and be filled. Go be warmed and be filled. But I, I need a jacket. Now be warmed. I'm not giving you mine. You can me. This is Columbia, man. This thing was 250 bucks. I'm going to give you my jacket. Have you ever given anyone your jacket? You ever given anyone a shirt off your back? Have you ever given away something you really liked? Have you ever sold, have you downsized your car? Ever given your car away? Or your extra car? <laughs> Generosity. I heard one preacher say, you're never more like God than when you're being generous. That you're dying just a little bit. Every time you're generous, it's you dying a little bit. He says, we know by this we're of the truth. And this is how we, some of us are confused and we're doubting our salvation and we're dealing with, oh, is Calvinism or Arminianism or is it adult baptism or infant baptism or the, you know, are the Episcopals right or the Baptists right? Well, these theological issues and who's the beast in Revelation? And when is Jesus coming back? We have all these confusing things and people telling us we're not saved. John says, hey, if you're on the board and you're doing this love thing, you're in. That's what he says. We know by this, we're of the truth, no matter what our heart condemns us, which our heart, the heart and the mind and the Greek thinking are the same. You think of your heart. No matter how confused you are, if you have accepted the love of God and now you're turning around and dying for the benefit of others, which means going into dark places, bringing the gospel, blessing the church with your resources, keeping your home open. Now, don't be taken advantage. Don't enable people. That's not loving. So the Bible says if someone doesn't work, they don't eat. Right. So loving is not always this sloppy agape, you know, just let anybody run over you and take whatever they want. Jesus could be tough. He, he said no to a lot of people when he knew saying yes would be to their detriment. And sometimes he just gave people a smackdown, literally. I mean, he just he took those scourge of cords, drove them out of the temple. The Pharisees, brood of vipers, wham, wham, wham. You guys, are, he, he, he told he told the religious people, he said, you scour heaven and earth to make one convert. Once you do, you make them twice as much a son of hell as yourself. So he wasn't all, you know, raindrops and lollipops. I mean, he was, he, he was, could be tough, but you live your life. You live on your life for the benefit of others. And in this church, some of you guys are wanting to be tough, right? Because that's what's best. And some of you guys have been on the receiving side of tough love and you're glad for it. Can I hear an amen? amen. Wow. A bunch of you guys. Because once you look back, you're like, oh, that was love. Ah, them not giving me that money. Them not just winking at my sin. That was love. And I'm alive because they love me. So anyway, you know by this, you're the truth <clears throat> that you're willing to die. And you'll set your heart at ease before him. But God, I don't know the end times. And my father-in-law said, if I'm not into the end times, I'm probably not even saved. And I'm not a five-point Calvinist. And I heard on radio that this guy said, I'm not even preaching the same gospel as these guys. And Lord, I don't, you know, I don't understand the sacraments. And I can't understand the metaphysics of whatever classical theism and blah, 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 right? He says, yeah, but do you get this love thing? I laid it all down for you to benefit you. You receive my spirit. I want you to learn how to lay down everything for the people. Are you on that track? Well, yeah, sure. I, I'm letting this homeless guy stay in my house. And, and I, you know, and I, I'm giving to missions and I, and I really enjoy it. And I'm, I forgive the people that do me wrong. Like you, okay, then you're good. If you're living your life, dying every day, just a little bit for the benefit of others, then you're getting, that's what the church is. Isn't that cool? That little phrase, I believe in the church. And this is just one little tiny facet of what the church is. But this morning, I was like, whoa, that's crazy. I'd never seen the connection between Peter's denial of Christ and, and Christ saying, I'm going to die for you. And Peter saying, well, I'm going to die for you. And he's like, no, you're not. You can't do it yet. But once I die for you, you're going to be able to do it. And then once you come back and you repent, you get filled with the Holy Spirit, then you guys are all going to go out 
And 11 out of the 12, Judas was replaced, but 11 out of 12 literally died. Very much like Christ for the cause and the kingdom. And once they had the Holy Spirit supercharging them to love the way God loved, they could lay it down. And like Jesus said, where I'm going, you can't go now, but you'll go later. And they did it. Now God tells us, you guys, if you're church, some people look at us and say, you're not church. You don't have any connection to the grand historical traditions. And look at this pathetic building. It's just community centers. We have cinder blocks, right? You don't even have musicians, professional musicians, and you're not singing the historic hymns. And I didn't hear any Latin at all. So, you're right. But according to scripture, he said, well, you know, but you'll know by this year of the truth. If you've been transformed by the love of God and now you're turning around and loving. So I believe in the church and those for, for those of us who are in the church, we're, we're doing communion today. For those of us who are in the church, when you first understand the love of God, that God in the person of Jesus Christ laid down his life for you so that you could get on the board so that you could be in God's program and ultimately spend eternity with him and you could be saved and you could start fulfilling God's created purpose for you. When you first get in the door and you're born again, there's a, there's a uh, I don't know what we call it, a ritual or a rite or whatever. We're baptized. I don't think baptism saves you. And even in Acts chapter 10, there's a bunch of people that hear the gospel and the Holy Spirit falls on them. And he's like, well, obviously these people are already in. So let's get them baptized. The point is we need to believe what God has done for us. If you've never embraced what God has done for you, forgiven your sin, died in your place, let his Holy Spirit transform you and turn away from your sin. You're not on the board. And that's what you need to do today. Don't leave. Come talk to me. It's super easy. Well, sorry. <coughs> be quick. I don't know. Yeah. But it's, it's awesome. You can be born again. And then when you're born again, there's a right. And we call it baptism. And that kind of helps you understand you're forgiven. And you've died and been buried. And this is the new life. Full of the Holy Spirit, etc. But for those of us who are on the board, God's given us another right, which is communion. Which is, I just want you to think about my love for you and what I've done. And recommit to this whole program of you surrendering to me, submitting to you, or submitting to me, and letting me fulfill my purpose in your life. And so this is a time where you just kind of get your heads on straight and you think about, wow, have I been off focus? Have I been enamored by the gifts of God? He pulled me out of the pit and he set me free and now I'm chasing money? What the heck? Is, what am I doing? I want some big career. I want people screaming my name. I want my parents' approval. I said, Jesus, I only need you. And now I'm trying to win my friend's favor or keep up. I don't like to say keeping up with the Joneses because we actually have some Joneses here <laughs> that are hard to keep up with. But um, it's just a phrase, just a phrase. Am I trying to keep up with my neighbors? Am I worried about what year my car is? What the heck am I doing? So communion guys, like, hey, think about what I did. I gave it all up for your benefit. Is that what you're doing? Is everything up there on the altar? Do you have an idol? Could be your kids. Lots of babies, raining babies around here. It almost, you know, seems like every month someone else is having a baby. Just new babies, babies, babies. Those babies can become idols. Oh, Lord, I want a spouse. Give me a godly spouse. We get the godly spouse. It becomes an idol. We're not in the game anymore. Right? God's okay. Get it all back in perspective. Leverage all that stuff and all those relationships for kingdom. <laughs> So that you can spread my message. You can spread my love around. And so this is kind of where we renew our vows. Said on the night he was betrayed. He took bread. He broke it. He said, this is my body broken for you. Why? Because I loved you. And you're helpless, hopeless, lost. And I wanted to show you what love looked like. And I wanted to make a way for you to be right with the triune God. So my body is broken for you. And then he said, same way, same way he took the cup. He said, this is my blood, which was shed for you. When you drink it, when you eat this, remember me. Remember the program. Remember what it's all about. It's about a, a dying kind of a love. And maybe last week, you didn't feel very good about yourself. There was something missing. Try dying and, and going and loving somebody. Somebody really gets on your nerves. or Somebody's really, you know, they're going to mess up stuff. Or they don't, they, they don't know how to relate very well. They don't have anything to give back to you. Just go die and pour out your life a little bit and see if the, you know, 
I used to, I started keeping a journal just so I could keep myself accountable to doing something kind, compassionate, generous every day. <coughs> and, I, and I put it in the front, I'm sure I got to go back and find which one. Uh, something along the lines of vindicating or justifying my existence. If you're not dying every day, what are you doing? You're just like using up resources, right? That's like the game is that you learn how to become like me. So those of us who have entered this relationship with God, we do this regularly. So yeah, what was that whole baptism thing? That was me dying to who I was, getting in line with your mind, your heart, your program, surrendering to it. And God, I want to do that afresh. So that's what we're going to do now. We're going to have communion. If you're not born again, no one's going to notice if you don't get up and you don't want to get up because this is not for you. This is a family thing. This is a thing for born again people. If you're from another church and you're born again, then this is for you. But we come up here, we think about God's amazing love. How can it be that thou, my king, would die for me? Amazing love. You know, it, that, that was like the perfect song I thought this morning. We think about that, and then, and then we commit to being that in this world. So I'm just going to say a prayer. We're going to do some worship songs. And uh, I'm getting the intinction sign, which means... Which means when you take, when you get your piece of bread, dip it. Do not pick up the cup. Do not put it on your lips. <laughs> dip it. Yeah. And don't stick your, don't stick your, I want to keep this whole life. Don't stick your grubby fingers. Uh, but I want to say a prayer and then we'll, and then we'll have, uh, turn the lights out. And when you really feel like you've done your business with God, God, I am all in. For this, I want you to be my king. I want you to call the shots. I want to play this game, fulfill your purpose, your created purpose in me. So let's pray together. Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, thank you for willingly letting Judas leave that room, knowing that that was going to inevitably result in you being cut to ribbons and speared through for us. Thank you for showing us what love looks like. I want to love like that. I don't want it as in I just want to experience it. I want it to flow out of me. So Holy Spirit, baptize us afresh with new love, greater love, a greater understanding of love, more opportunities to love. And we just pray that this would be an outpost of your kingdom on earth and people would understand better who you are because they've mixed it up with the people in this room. And we love you. We bless you. We pray all Amen.